0: I'm Crystal Craven, a singer, a songwriter, and a worship leader who's passionate about sharing what God inspires. And this is your weekly devotional. Hello. All right. Well, we are continuing on in this section of Luke 10, where Jesus sent out 72 people to go before him. So our verses today are um, Luke 10, 10 through 12. And it says, But wherever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Now, these are really a tough few verses here, Um, Jesus has given them the heads up that they won't be received everywhere they go. And we know that, you know, the world hated Jesus, and if we're coming in His name and sharing the same message, then there are going to be those who aren't receptive, and they're going to hate us too. But more importantly than this heads up that we won't be received by everyone— is the instruction on how to handle that. It's more than just an outward handling too, like how, how we actually outwardly respond, but how to handle that in your heart. Jesus makes it really clear that those who don't receive this gospel message will be judged in their unbelief. And then even pointing that it's going to be more bearable for Sodom than for The one who doesn't believe. I mean, yikes, if you can recall back to Genesis, when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he did so with fire and sulfur. It was a complete demolition. And so, in this, you know, when they were completely destroyed, um, yet the eternal judgment that Jesus is talking about is going to be more bearable for them than for those who don't receive the gospel message. So it really, you know, begs the question, like, why? Why would it be more bearable for Sodom? Well, when we look into this, um, you know, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, that brought a knowledge of good and evil. But it wasn't until later on, with the law that was given to the Israelites, um, about 400 or so years after Sodom was destroyed, uh, came a knowledge of sin, which pointed us to God and our Savior, right? So those who choose not to receive the gospel, the full revelation of the gospel of Jesus that came and was known with Jesus and had been foreshadowed in the law and in the prophets, then they have fully rejected their only source of salvation. Now those in Sodom Uh, Having lived, you know, so many years earlier, they didn't have that full knowledge of the gospel and therefore it's going to be more bearable for them. It doesn't mean they won't be judged because, you know, God still makes things evident, but they didn't have the full knowledge that one has now with, you know, the full gospel of Jesus available to them and being preached to them. Now on the outside, you know, we see that Jesus instructed these 72 people to dust off their feet And then gave them something specific to say that even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this that the kingdom of God has come near. Now, I have a question for you. How do you picture this in your head? Is the disciple saying this, you know, frustrated or angry or kind of like justified and prideful or, you know, maybe sad and crying? I mean, there were a plethora of feelings that could come with this action, right? But they would all stem from the condition of the disciples heart. If it is being done in, you know, like a frustrated or an angry manner, then it would seem rather confrontational and hateful towards the people. Um, If it's done in a, like a justified manner, that's really just going to seem prideful and very like condemningly judgmental. And if they're sad or crying, it might seem like they have a broken heart over the fact that the people have rejected the message of, of the gospel. Now, the thing is, even though that they were you know, told by Jesus to shake the dust off their feet and declare that it was because they weren't receptive and that um, this was being wiped off against them... Notice here, it says, nevertheless, right? So the message of the kingdom of God still stands. And it's still being left with the people. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. Now, on the inward side of things, these instructions weren't being given so that the disciples could condemn unreceptive people before the time of judgment. The disciples weren't being told to judge them unto a condemnation. There is always hope so long as there's breath in someone's lungs, right? But Jesus was telling them to boldly let them know that they are being left in the dust of their own hard hearts. There does need to be that line drawn in the sand, but that nevertheless, God wants them to know that his kingdom has come near. It is available. And notice how Jesus didn't tell them to include that their judgment was for uh, not receiving was going to be worse than Sodom. You know, that information that Jesus said about Sodom, that was just for the disciples to keep in mind. Um, Jesus really, he wasn't saying that so that they could use that against people who don't receive. Jesus wants us to keep a right perspective of people. Because our our human response may be to see those who don't receive as like the enemy, you know, or somehow beneath us, or, you know, it might just stir a point of uh, like pride or a consolation almost like where we're like, oh, well, they're just going to go to hell then. It serves them right for not receiving me and the message that I shared with them, you know, but that, that is really not the heart of God. That's not the heart that he wants his people, his ambassadors to have when we're going on his behalf. Our hearts should be very much so broken for the people who do not receive because we know where they'll go if they don't ever repent. And if we're going to be Christ-like in this, and if we're going to have our hearts properly aligned with God's, then we too need to desire that no one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And something to remember here, like each and every time that you share the gospel with someone, you need to keep in mind their soul. Because you're not looking to get them to, you know, agree with you on the gospel message or, you know, to say a special prayer so they can get saved. Like, like you are sharing Jesus with them. He is salvation, and He is able to save their soul and give them eternal life. And remember, God god is not the only one who's seeking after them, because so is the enemy. Satan would love to keep people wallowing or blinded in their sin with a hard heart that's just like stone, and eventually they end up with Him in the lake of fire for all eternity. But people are precious. Every single person is precious. Charles Spurgeon was once quoted saying this, Consider how precious a soul must be when both God and the devil are after it. We shouldn't ever be picky or choosy about who we deem worth sharing the gospel with, right? Like we're called to make disciples of all nations, not the ones that we think we should or not people that maybe we feel comfortable going up to. I mean, think of this. Jesus deemed everyone worth dying for. So shouldn't we deem them worth sharing his gospel with? And we can't get caught up either in feeling rejected, you know, when people don't receive the gospel message that we're sharing with them. They aren't rejecting you anyway, because really it's not about you. It's about salvation and Jesus. And if we're not preaching the gospel to our own hearts regularly, because the gospel is full and well for every single person, not just the unbeliever, where we freshly remember the sin that we were once in, and the wondrous work that Jesus did on the cross for our behalf, and that immense love that He has for us, and, and every single person that He created, everyone is created in His image, then if we don't do that, and we're not preaching the gospel regularly to our hearts, we just may end up making our own feelings the focus instead of the soul-saving work that God has sent us to do. Now, rejection isn't fun, you know, but it is a part of the Christian's life when we are really walking out our faith and our calling. And if during times of rejection, we can shift our focus, you know, from our feelings of rejection that will be stirred, but if we can shift that focus from our feelings to share the broken heart that God feels towards them, then we can stay on course in the mission and service to God that he has called us to for longs written devotionals and originally written songs Visit crystalcravenmusic.com and that is Crystal with a K.